Don't make success an accident. Those are the, who are the hardest to love are the ones who need it the most. When you are sure of certain things, you can't expect other people to know what you have in your have in you. They don't. Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then your family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is That So? I am your host, the nocturnal therapist. Harry Turner is my government name, and I have a very special guest. Mr. Vernon Brown, Mr. Vernon Brown, and I'm going to put down this banner right now so y'all let y'all so y'all know exactly who he is. Vernon Brown's work has touched the lives of hundreds of entrepreneurs who have doubled their business beyond six figures, not not at not right below it, but beyond six figures and has helped save countless personal relationships in the process. Now, I don't, I don't know how he saved personal relationships. I need some help with mine. But anyway, while assisting clients to find and sustain their influence, presence and happiness. Ooh, that's intense. That's that's real, right? That's a lot to juggle. So he challenges businesses to think more expansively while maintaining their integrity to increase profits and personal growth. So he ties the professional to the personal and helps amplify all of it. I'm digging it. I'm digging it already. Well, you know, I give my little my little speak in the beginning, you know, let me let me just let me just say this. Intentionality. I said this last season. I'll say it again this season. Intentionality reflects relationship. Intentionality reflects relationship. And what I mean by intentionality reflects relationship is that that which you intentional that which you are intentional towards is what you form a relationship with. If you're not intentional about staring and moving and reacting to this thing that you say that you have a relationship with, be it a person, place, or thing, then there is no relationship. Without intentionality, there is no relationship. So intentionality reflects relationship. If you have a dream, if you have an aspiration, how intentional are you about reacting and responding to that? Because that's the way that life knows that this thing is real for you. That's how life knows that you're actually staring at it, that this is the choice that you've made. Ergo, you tap into the axiomatic truth that whatever you stare at becomes your reality and perception is reality. So if all you can perceive is your dreams, because that's all you're staring at is your aspirations, then that becomes your North Star and quite naturally you move towards it. Try to stare at something for an extended period of time without moving towards it. Notice that you have eyes on the front of your head and not the back of your head. Now, I'm sure that's the most efficient way for the body to have eyes. But still in all, notice that whatever you're looking at, that's the direction that you're moving towards quite naturally. Now, that's common sense, right? But what does that look like in the mental and spiritual? And so for me, that looks like intentionality reflects relationship. Whatever I stare at and whatever I react to, that's what's real for me. If there is hatred out there, if somebody's spewing hatred about me out there and I don't react to it, then it ain't real to me. If somebody is hating on me and I ain't reacting to it, then it ain't real to me. But the moment I engage with that low frequency energy, it becomes real for me. I already know that it's real for them because they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't real for them or some advantage or whatever, you know, so it's real for them. But for me, it doesn't become real until I react to it and until I'm intentional about reacting to it. 
And that's for anything, you know, not bad, not just bad things, but good things. So use discernment in where you place your consciousness because your conscious awareness is limited. It can only be filled with so much throughout the day. So be intentional about what you fill your mind up with and what you tell your mind to do. And if you tell your mind to follow and move in this direction, it has no choice but to follow your, your directions, which are the directions if you're not moving from your mind space and you're moving from your heart space, right? At least some believe. But anyway, that's my little beginning. I'm not going to stay on that because I want to jump in and get my, my guest in here as soon as possible because I'm, I feel the synergy with this brother and I am delighted to have him on the show. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the stage, Mr. Vernon Brown. Hey, Harry. <laughs> Harry, welcome, good welcome, welcome. My, my audience is clearly elated to have you on the show today. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Harry. Thank you for that intro, and I appreciate those words that you started about with intentionality. Mm-hmm. Come on, tell me what you appreciate about those words, sir. Oh, because I, I like what you said. My spin on it, the way that I say it, is you know, especially that first part about intentional. Don't make success an accident is mm. how I say it. Mm. So success is not an accident. What do you mean by that, sir? Well, it's about, you know, many times you see people say phrases like imposter syndrome. They'll say phrases along the line of, or maybe they'll get the sense of, can I do it again? Was it a fluke? Was I just lucky? And a big thing that I'm always, you know, reminding audiences, reminding persons is you've got to make sure that you are so intentional about what your metrics for success are that you can do it over and over and over and over again with anything. It's not just a business, but it's a way that you approach people. It's the way that you understand people. It's the way that you interact with people. That's why you said that part, part about if someone's coming to you with a certain type of energy and it's not an energy that you want to match you know, use that intentionality to say, this isn't me, therefore I'm not going to let that be me. And you reroute that to where you want to go. And rerouting that could be, you know, thank you so much for your input. Hey, I never thought about it that way. And you keep on walking. Or it could be something along the lines of, you know, that's a straight different perspective. Do you mind expanding on that? Mm-hmm. How can you tell the difference? When do you engage versus disengage? You know, it's a good question. It, it's, it's being, again, intentional. When someone, when you meet someone, you might get the, and this can be a little difficult for some people to distinguish. You might get the intuition that this person has a lot of potential, but you might get the sense that this person might not have the best intentions, regardless of what they could be potentially capable of. So mm. if you get the sense that, hey, I don't feel really good when this person says certain things to me, or I don't feel like they came from a place of love and understanding, that's when you recognize before you engage, maybe you need to understand and maybe create some distance. So it's about checking in. Mm. It's, it's, uh, when we first got on our call, right, we had a couple of snafus, but what happened? We did our dance. We made it work. Oh, man, it was good. And we just kind of did that. And that dance wasn't something that, oh, that that's typical with everybody, but it's something that we, in a blink of an eye, we picked up on the fact that, oh, this guy's cool. I'm cool. We're both jab, vibing. We're both excited. And from that, we did that happy dance. Not everyone you can do that with or has that intention to do that with, but it mm. happens in a blink. Now, you said happy dance. I didn't mean to go there right now, but, you know, I was, you know, of course, I checked out your website. You know, we, a lot of people did our research here. So what's your happy? Real quick, can you can you tie that into what, what it is that you just said, the happy dance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The happy dance is all about being excited for the fact 
that you found a way to connect. You found a way to expand. And that's what your happy is all about. It's about being an architect and not an archaeologist. Going back is not what I'm here to do. Going forward and creating something on top of whatever's there. If we're running behind, if we got, again, some scheduling snafus, if I forget to say, hey, send me that link, even though you sent it in multiple reminders, what do we do? We build on that and make it great. And that's what happens to us in life. We're not going to always be given a cake, but what we're given is what? A bowl, a flower, the eggs, we're getting the beater, we're getting the chocolate, we're giving all these things. And you build on it and make the perfect cake according to what you wanted initially. And mm. so that's what you have is about. It's about building and putting together, you know, your masterpiece from the tools that you're given, not what you don't have. Mm. Now, let's I digress for a second. And you mentioned, you know, you gave a great answer about uh, a great response, you know, of course, subjectively speaking, of course, to each his own, but a great response to, you know, how do you discern the difference? My 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 thing with that, and and I, and I totally agree. But it must be said that in this space, I see a culture of ghosting. Mm. And so their distress tolerance of the masses, I would say, is pretty <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially agree. these younger generations coming up. So when people can't tell when they're reliving their past, in the present, when people have practice running from any sort of discomfort, even though that most of our growth will be growing pains, not growing pleasures, how do you better refine that? For me, it's perfect. The response you gave was perfect. But for for people who's used to avoidance, you know, and, and they are teaching mass avoidance right now, I believe. For people, uh, a culture that's used to avoiding things, how do you tell them to step up to the plate even when they feel uncomfortable doing so? You know, especially if if they're already prone to perceive an interaction or a situation that isn't perfectly the way that they saw it as something negative. You know, it's a world class question. And it, it's not just because you asked it, but it's something I see a lot of my clients talk about. From my seat, it's not just uh, younger generations, it's many generations, because you see many 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people who are just as glued to a phone as someone who might be in their 20s and 30s. Mm. So for me, it's a, a way that people decide to show up. And when a person decides to show up in a way that might not rub you the right way, or rub you in a way where you're still kind of on the fence, I think the, the first step for me is always an awareness. You know, the first thing is, you know, do you really see the value in pursuing this? Because not everything is worth, you know, your time, effort, and energy. That's not for me to tell you. That's not for you. That's for my practices. And what's your happy? If that's your happy, by all means, go for it. Do you have the energy and interest of putting that in? Um, the second thing that comes from me, from my perspective is, you know, it's an understanding, not an excuse. There's a big difference. You know, it's understanding of what you just said. There's many persons right now who believe or maybe they don't believe it consciously, but they have a capacity to show up in a way where they don't show up. And so it's just, I kind of understand it. But in terms of what you can do after you become aware of and after you have that understanding is, you know, there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with throwing something out there to someone, you know, is this how you would like to proceed? You know, I've seen so many of my different clients, you know, they feel like they got ghosted or they feel like someone's just not answering them. You know, if I'll give maybe one, I suggest one to two text messages after that, let it go. You know, we're just and gonna... it, it, here's the thing with the letting it go, though. 
and this is for your clients and really all, all, all of us, you know, we know that when the mind does not understand something, especially a painful experience, it codes it as shame. Mm-hmm. And then it's placed back into that place. So the letting it go may not be easy at all. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not even not even knowing where to to begin at, you know, with letting it go, you know, like that let let go of this unknown space that I'm probably going to judge myself for because I have no idea why this person, quote unquote, ghosted or whatever, therefore, but I'm going to use that as evidence to prove my unworthiness. You know, it's, you know, it's what you just said, you know, not verbatim. When we don't have enough data, the brain will fill the gaps of what it perceives or what it thinks. And everybody, I don't care who you are, at some way, shape or form, or at some moment in time, has this belief that we're not enough. You're not enough. You maybe you're not more attractive enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you don't have enough degrees. Maybe you don't make enough money. And so the first thing we automatically do is we take that personal and we believe that you said the wrong thing, or maybe I don't look you know, attractive enough. Maybe this, maybe that. And that's natural. That's going to happen. And when those things happen, you can try to sit there and fight it. So when I say let go, I don't ever mean to be flipping like, okay, let it go. That's like someone telling you, oh, just uh, be you, be yourself. You'll be fine. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. But it's when you receive that or you feel that, it's just like, okay, so walk me through what happened. And this is kind of that kind of self-coaching thing. You're like, so you sent a message or you had a good time or you whatever. You had some form of contact with that person. And just really look at it like some people don't have the definitions a little. They, they have definitions a little skewed. Some people believe a conversation is a confrontation. Mm. And many people would rather avoid a confrontation Versus saying, hey, I don't think this is going to work out. Hey, you're out of my league. Hey, you make me feel uncomfortable because you're always doing. People aren't going to do that. They think it's going to be some sort of tiff or they think it's going to be some sort of, you know, fight. And it's or, again, a conversation versus a confrontation versus saying, hey, you know, my schedule's busier than what I thought. Sir, I think that you've given me the ability to use. That's it. That's it. That's it. So can you say that one sentence real quick? You said a con- Many- some people. Many people, many persons, male, female, older, younger, degrees, no degrees, have this lack of understanding the difference between a confrontation and a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Brother, brother, can you tell us the difference between a conversation and a confrontation? Absolutely. You know, confrontation pulls people apart, puts people at ends. It puts people in a place where they got to get defensive or offensive. And at this day and age, it's really difficult now without being an ism or ist or whatever, you know, suffix, prefix that's thrown out there right now. So it's risky. Now, uh, that's not a here thing. That's a this thing. Just you kind of feel it. And whenever this feels it, this is going to interpret in a way that, like, oh, no, oh, no. And nobody wants, majority of people don't want that confrontation. I like to think and believe it comes from a good place. Now, conversation brings people together. It might not bring people together like, hey, we can make this you know, relationship work. We can make this platonic friendship work. No, but it's just, hey, let me talk to you what I'm saying. And then the, the trick here is that the big dance is to make sure that it's kind and caring. Not hurtful and diminishing, you know, telling someone that in terms of a conversation, just kind of break it even down further. Let's just say you're talking to a young lady, you talk to a young guy, whatever, and to sit them down and to pick them apart and say what's wrong with them. That's not a conversation. Mm. If you sit down and say, hey, we're not a good fit for one another. That's a conversation. 
Mm. Or, I mean, and we do that. There's a method. Understand that that there's a universal order to everything. And so one of the things that you do when you engage is is of nonviolent communication is you use I statements. You mm-hmm. know, I felt this when this occurred and be OK with that discomfort of saying I was uncomfortable in this space. Yep. You know, I believe that, you know, in in our society, there's too much division. And so that's why I'm honing in on this right now. And I believe that part of that division, of course, it's fear driving a division, but also the tactics that we use to protect ourselves. Now, again, I have no idea what your stance is on this, but I'm going to bring it up briefly. That's why I'm completely opposed to the whole concept of a toxic person. I believe that there are toxic environments. I believe that there are things that can be toxic to you. But I do not believe in any way, shape or form that there's a such thing as a toxic person. I believe that that is stone throwing. And I am a preacher's kid. I know exactly what the hell stone throwing looks like. I know exactly what the hell being judged for no goddamn reason looks like. And that, sir, it most certainly this whole avoiding toxic people. Hey, you're yep. teaching people avoidance, which was one of the number one factors that's associated with many of the mental health disorders that's out there. And then two. Now you're labeling and judging people. To me, that's a, that's a position of self-righteousness. Now, I know a whole lot of people making millions of dollars off of this whole toxic fad, to- calling people toxic fad, because it feels good to the part of us that wants vengeance, to the part of us that wants to be satiated, wants to be redressed without having to actually show up, like you said. But I, I'm completely opposed to this whole this whole fad of calling people toxic. I just That's just me. And again, no judgment to anybody else who does it. You know, brother, if you wrote a book on how to avoid toxic people, God bless you. You know, look, look. Everybody's truth, you know, you can have your own truth, you know, whatever your cup of Sprite is, obey your thirst, you know, but I'm just saying for me personally, I can't vibe with that. You know, I'm from the same school of thought. We're brought up in a society where we're taught that we're supposed to tell people who they are. You know, you're narcissistic. You're this. You're this. And for me, whenever I hear things like that is it's slightly manipulative. You're trying to get what you want from someone by telling them what's wrong with them. That uh, when does uh, when does that work? It might work when someone's eight or you're acting like a knucklehead. But when people get to a certain age, especially 25 plus, telling people who they are is nothing to do with anything but what they perceive because they don't know who you are. Many persons don't even understand the whole every the, the ins and outs of it. You know, I'm always reminding my clients of if anybody tries to tell you who you are, you need to excuse yourself immediately because you're about to get manipulated. Elaborate on that. Elaborate on that. Telling them who they are. Yeah, it's when someone is any sort of name calling, any, I don't care if you're five years old or you're 55 years old, name calling is a request for something. They're asking something of you. The thing about it is they don't have the energy and might not have the depth and brevity of the vocabulary to ask for it. When someone calls you arrogant, what they're asking for is, why won't you talk to me? When Hmm. someone said that you are um, narcissistic, Wish I really wish you would pay as much more attention to me. When someone says that you have a bad temper, is there another way that you can handle situations other than with anger? That's what they're asking for. But people don't use that language. What they people majority do, and this isn't everybody, but there's a large pocket of people who really almost makes it feel like it's everybody. But it's just a pocket of people who believe by telling you that there's something wrong with you, that that's going to make them right. Yes. Or if you act right, that might have worked again when we were children. That does not work with adults walking up to someone and telling them they're no good and this, that, and the other. What does that do? Is that really a conversation? Does that bring us closer together? Because whenever someone uses language like that with me, the very first thing I do is I, t- I will question them down because the power is in the questions. 
You know, mm-hmm. someone comes up to me when I was a bartender. Uh, while I was back in New York modeling when someone would say, oh, you're just so full of yourself. And I'm like, and what does that do for you? <laughs> because they're not thinking. They're not, but I am. Someone comes up to you and says you're narcissistic. It's like, and what does that say about your choice in men or women? Mm. Mm. So it's very, it's not about, again, it's not a confrontation. It's a screen, getting a conversation to get them thinking. We're taught now to automatically have, automatically have this knee-jerk reaction of telling people who they are. That doesn't work with me. That's the start of a manipulation. If you feel like that's happening, you either be really quiet and hold your tongue. I know it's hard. If you cannot get away, if you can't get away, you go that way. Sir. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, 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 man. (laughs) The audience is loving it. The audience is loving it, sir. Let me tell you. Yes. And I've uh, again, I I guess because of my personal history, it's easy for me to spot it. And I spotted it immediately, you know. But yes, this this even the fad of narcissists, this culture of calling people narcissists when, you know, the lot of people who use that word can't even spell the word, nor let alone define what a narcissist actually is. And then what that does for the population of people who actually suffer from this severe mental illness is now you've you've put this negative connotation on it where they will refuse to get help. Because if they come to somebody like me and I say, ma'am or sir. I see these set of symptoms and I believe that you have narcissistic personality disorder. You know, if I come out and say that after all of the, the, the ranting and the, the witch, the Salem witch trials has been going on behind narcissists. Hell no, they're not about to accept that. So that means that that prevents this person from getting assistance, from getting the intervention and the help and the healing that they need, because now they have this, this polluted understanding of what this subset of symptoms actually mean at the root of all of it is trauma. And I agree. You know, there's so many times where people just haven't sat back and looked at all of the givens of a situation. You know, many times people look at someone and say, I know who you are based upon our three conversations that we have had. You know, I always tell people I'm not what I look like is not what I've been through. You don't know my story no more than I know yours. Mm. And, you know, and one big thing that gets me is whenever I hear language like that, and I do not allow language like that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If I'm working with couples, I'm working with an individual and they're using, you know, this diagnosis and this and this, this, I let them know, is there another way that you can say that? You know, mm-hmm. someone says, oh, I'm narcissistic and I'll follow up with what else are you? Mm-hmm. Because it becomes a character, it becomes a personality, it becomes who you are. And when people fall into that kind of construct, they start to believe it. And it does create a lot of shame and guilt. And who wants to expand to be better? based upon what someone else has said better, you know, kind of fits in there. And, you know, only, honestly, I very rarely met someone even meets those guidelines, that criteria. Yes. This very is really, it's a, now, now granted we have some famous people, I think recently that, that clearly meets that diagnosis. <laughs> even though I've never assessed them, but yes, that is a rare diagnosis. This is a rare bunch of people. Like it's a small percentage of the population, you know? And my fear is, the clap back that if we do this petty dance, like, because I'm, I'm speaking my truth to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I could very easily do the same thing that, that I uh, see a lot of people doing with the mudslinging and, and start talking about something else that's emotionally charged for people who are victims of it. And that's people who suffer from borderline personality disorder, because the more extreme forms of that, the gaslighting will destroy lives and have, has destroyed lives. 
you know? And so when we talk about, I know that narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, it's, it's a hotbed because of the harm that is caused by these individuals, you know? But at the same time, this, this, we have to put this in the understanding that this person is on fire, that this is one of the severe mental health, mental health disorders that's out there, one of the most severe out there. This person is on fire. And of course, if you stand too close to a person on fire, you're going to get burned. But do I want to cast stones at the person that's engulfed in flames because I got burned? Or do I still have compassion? And I decide what type of relationship I'm going to have with this person on fire based off the fact that they are on flames and I don't want to get burned, you know, but I'm not going to judge a person that's on fire. That brings that evokes compassion. But if I call that person on fire toxic, how can I welcome you in and at the same time call you toxic when we know it's a well, those that move in love like, I, you know, that that I believe move in love like I do. We go by the 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 belief that those who need who, those are the, who are the hardest to love are the ones who need it the most. How can I extend love and have open arms to you and at the same time call you a toxic person? Well, you know, and absolutely, you know, the big root of many interactions is if I can get you emotional, I can control you. If I can throw a label on you to get you to give me some sort of reaction, Ladies. I have control. And so, you know, I'm always reminding persons and audiences and clients is like whenever someone says something and you can feel it when you check in, that hurt. You know, that little voice in you will fire up. And sometimes it fires up so quick you don't even feel it. But <clears throat> for me, it's, you know, the powers and the questions. And mm. if someone said something to you that you don't like and you don't believe, you don't have to accept it. I tell people all the time, and I've had this happen to me with many different ind uh, individuals who felt they were in a position of authority. Someone might say something to me that I don't like. Well, Vernon, you're this and Vernon, you're that. And I'd say, I reject that. Mm. Mm. And you got to choose, you know, when that fits, you know, the second thing, you know, for me is, you know, I never considered that, you know, do you mind if I take a minute and excuse yourself and never come back? You know, it, it's, it, it, I just don't have time for the foolishness. I don't. Small minds discuss people, average minds, events, and great minds, ideas. If I had to stop to address every single thing a small-minded person had to say about me, I'd never accomplish any of my ideas. My time is too precious for it. You know, if that's their delusion, that's their delusion. You know, and that's what I, that's what I tell my people. What other people have to say about you is none of your damn business. And it's, it's looking at, you know, when people say foolish things like that, or maybe not well thought through things, in many cases, they're asking for something. Um, and one of those things that they're asking for is how are you able to do the things that you're doing? Because I'm having trouble doing those things. Mm. You know, they might say that you're narcissistic because or they might say that you're arrogant because you work so much. <laughs> uh, you might say that you're, uh, you're a workaholic when you have no idea what that person's driving force is. Mm. Because you don't see the benefit of waking up at 4 a.m. and going to the gym and then starting 5 a.m. sending emails and doing that. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. You have no idea what their force or what their driving force is. Exactly. And, and then you look at someone going with your analogy about someone being on fire. Just because they're on fire, if that is true with you, that doesn't mean they're toxic. That just means it's not a good fit for you. There's somebody right now, if they're on fire, let's just say this person is on fire. There's somebody right now who's begging to be warm. Mm. So what, what doesn't work for you doesn't mean they won't work for everybody. I'm going to break this button today. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, man. Oh, oh. we're going to have to, brother, we, we definitely going to have to have another session. And we're going to have to make it much longer next time because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm serious. We're going to have to make this like a two hour. We're going to have to do like a two hour like session, you and I, because there's so much that we got to talk about. Please look I, like you want to say you got some more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree. I just, uh, when it comes to, 
interactions, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, when it comes to just connecting with people, the big thing is understanding what's happening or what's going on. Honestly, what you're not seeing, there's many things that's happening that you're not even aware of that we don't pick up on. But when someone is using a particular type of language, when someone is saying something that doesn't rub you the right way, that is okay. Not everybody is going to understand everything about you. I remember I have a very strong personality, very strong. And I'm going you know, go with the flow. I'm easygoing and things like that. But there's a time when I have a very dominant personality. That doesn't rub everybody the right way. It doesn't. And it's not that I'm mean. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And this is how it's going to be figured out. When you are sure of certain things, you can't expect other people to know what you have in your have in you. They don't. But there's no benefit in this world of leaving this world and playing small and being humble. There's no benefit to that. I'm big on you need to be amazing at something. You need to say it with people. They don't have to like it. They just have to love it. Mm. You might not like it, but you're going to love the fact that if I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I said I'm doing this, I'm going to make it happen. You better believe I'm happy on one leg. I'm going to do it. It's not that I think I'm better than anybody because no. I'm not. I don't no. wear a crown on my head. You know, both of us got bald heads. Guess what? We got more in common than anything. <laughs> But everybody's not going to like it because for you to be so sure of yourself is a confrontation to many people without them even being aware of it. The more Mm. sure you are of yourself, it lets them know what they're lacking, not what you don't have. Come on now. And something else we have in common, too. We are both models. Really? No, I wasn't really a model, but I could have been. I just didn't try. But anyway, back to what you were saying. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Wait, I but no, like you're saying, like that, oh my goodness, so true, so true that you don't even realize that you make enemies when you decide to live in your truth. That's that's the model. I say stay lit. That's the model here. You know, my my personal mission statement is to assist others in developing the audacity or the boldness to live unapologetically authentic. Part of that is staying lit. When you do that, when you move in your truth, you're lit up for life. And so lit, L-I-T, live in truth, live in your truth. And when you're living in your truth, when people are still trying to discover who they are, when they feel so lost, you know, when they're operating in the space of, 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 of unawareness, of not-selfness, they can look at you and that jealousy, that green eye, you know, just your presence. And I didn't realize this, just your presence will feel intimidating. And then again, whatever we fear, we attack. Because and many people aren't aware of this. They're not picking up on that. That's what some people you can tell whenever Sleep. they see or get the sense of someone might know something. Maybe you get answers fast, faster than them. Maybe you have a strong presence and they don't understand how to do it. And versus a smart, capable person will come up and like, man, Harry, how did you do that? Like the way that you, you know, I love how you string words together like that. I love how you said obey your thirst at Sprite. I would ask because I want to see how you think. But large population, <laughs> percentage of the population, what's the fastest way to have the tallest building? You can work really hard. You could work and you could figure out and get the schematics and a blueprint and build your building up so high. Or this is an option that many people do is let me tear you down so I can make you doubt yourself. Your building will never be built, and I'm going to have the tallest building around. Now, I'm not speaking ill of people, but I'm recognizing that's the many ways the, a very strategic, not a positive, but it's a very strategic way of getting, making sure you have the tallest building in the room. Look, and, and this is not, and thank you so much for that. And this is not about, you know, and we understand this, but I'm going to say it for the people just in case some, somebody out there need to hear this. This is not about shaming anybody or, or going after. We don't want to make the same. We will, we will not. We choose not to make the same mistake 
that we see other people making when it comes down to the stone throwing and whatnot. But what we are doing and why this is important for me in particular, why I talk about these things is because it creates more shame in individuals and it pushes them further from their truth. And the longer, the more they move from their truth, the less likely they are to experience the fullness of life. And so I want to help people beyond by beginning to represent, to, to understand these uh, psychological ways of manipulation that people use to tear other people down. And yes, there's a whole lot of groupthink out there. Understand that that hyenas attack in packs, but that's because they got to do so to deal with a lion. When you align, you won't have these hyenas come at you attacking you in packs, but that's because they're scary. Now, a hyena is actually a very powerful animal. Very. And for the most part, they can kill, you know, a, you know, a small to mid-sized lion by themselves. But still, they choose to attack uh, hurt prey and they choose to attack in packs at night. That's that's how this group thing works. This group think works. But understand that no one can define you but you. Even when people come and see certain things in me and say, Harry, you're this. I see this in you. I see that in you. I am just those are just pieces, even if they're positive. Those are just pieces of a much larger puzzle that I have to put together for myself, because ultimately it's on me to see who I am for myself. Nobody can see me clearer than I see me. Now, a person may understand me with clarity. Better than I understand, based off of the fact that, you know, you and I, we have certain experiences and trainings and whatnot to understand the human psyche. And so we understand the human psyche and we speak from that place. But as far as you understanding your truth, your purpose, your gift, that's a you thing. And we want to make sure that we clear as much nonsense out of the way so that you can get to that space of authenticity. Because it's when you move into that space of authenticity that you're freely expressing yourself that now you're allowing your gift to be unleashed. Because it's not about you. It's not about the, the, what people say about you. That's not that's the you that you don't have to worry about. You move that part out of the way because it's about your gift. This world needs your gift. So don't worry about those small minded people. Don't worry about those average minded people. You get with some great minded people who's oscillating at the same frequency that you are so that y'all can amplify each other. Because in that space, when you have someone who is evenly yoked, where they are on the same frequency with you, there is no losing in the sharing. There's only an, amplifica an amplification of already what's there. Sir. Absolutely. It's, you know, many times you'll see someone, you know, you know, kind of piggyback on what you just said. You will see somebody and they, they will have all these labels for them. They'll have these titles for them, just tearing a person down. All that tells me, and I've experienced this, I've been bullied, I've been picked on, and I'm not talking bullied and picked on for two weeks, I'm talking for 10 years. You're not in the wrong circle. You're not. Because in many circles, you are proud of your achievements. And then, you know, you just want to talk to people about it. They're going to say you're bragging. They're going to say all you do is you're full of yourself. They're going to say all these things. You're not in the right circle. You're so stuck in yourself. No, I'm talking about the things that I accomplished. That's the, that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to be in the right circle. You're around the people who aren't pushers, who don't want to grow. You know, and when you're around people like that, the fastest one, another thing people do is like, how can I make you act like us? How can I get you to shut up and be quiet? How can I make you not talk about things you're doing? How can I make sure you don't go out there and achieve by doing what? Let me use language to get what I want. And that's where, you know, this is for anybody who's listening and they heard some words and listen to us. Like, Man, I hope I'm not like that. And you kind of get in your head. What I'm saying is it's not who you are. It's who you are around <laughs> when you're with your people. They're high fiving you when you're with your people. They're like, oh, that, 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 that Harry, what are you, what are you talking about? Mm. And uh, you know, another thing is, what role are you in? 
You'll mm-hmm. see someone who might be a manager, who might be in a supervisor position, who might be whatever. They're not a bad person in many cases. Sometimes they think this is the way they need to act in order to execute and get things done. So mm-hmm. a big thing, just a big again, back of awareness. What am I seeing here? How am I mm-hmm. feeling? Do I need to engage with this person? When they say things like that, how does it, you know, do, do I really think it's beneficial to proceed? All of these things, however, do take energy. When energy is low, we start looking for fights. We start looking for those confrontations versus conversations. Confrontations are quick. Back down. Do what I want. I'm going to hurt you. Conversations like, hey, can you explain that a little bit? I'm just trying to understand your perspective. You know, do, I mind, do you mind if I let you know what I heard? Great. All the little things takes energy. When people don't have energy, they start getting foolish. That's why you have people ghosting people and doing things like that. It's 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 fear rooted behaviors. You know, we have to as a people, and I believe that we are part of this this movement. We we have to expand our awareness beyond this two dimensional, three dimensional thinking, where this only one possibility can exist. And if you see a different possibility then it immediately feels like a threat that you must attack and destroy. We can have separate and opposite truths because we have, there's, there, are, there are universal truths, but then there are also uh, individual truths, which we are here to discover. That's why we're having this subject, subject of human experience where we have the illusion of being separate from one another. And so, yes, we are here to have our individual truths and you have your right mm-hmm. to your individual truths. You know, Understand that just like you have your right to your individual truths, the other has their right to their individual truths as well. And their truths don't have to be the same as yours. It can be polar opposites of what your truth is. That's just their truth. Let them have their truth. That's their journey. Mind your business. There's so much more on your path that you do not know, that you don't have time to even comment on somebody else's journey if you really look at it. You know? Absolutely. No, sometimes, you know, and do you mind if I use some poor language here? Please, please. I'm going to bleep it out anyway. That's why I, I curse, but I'll bleep it all out. Okay, you know, it's, you know, I'll be with somebody, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, something personal has happened to me because I think it's important, you know, to share like the realness. You know, I'm with somebody, and I'm out in the world, I'm doing, you know, fun things, I'm laughing, I'm joking, I'm giving a speech, and a couple of different instances happen. You know, somebody comes up to me, and and people can pick up when you're vulnerable. People can pick up when maybe you're in your head a little bit. People can pick up well on maybe you have some doubts. And I'm just like anybody else. We all have doubts. We all have those days. We just feel like, man, did I button my shirt up the right way? You just kind of get in your head. And people can pick up on that. They're not conscious of it. And when people do that, they will try to throw their stuff on you. And I've had someone many times try to do this. And they'll say something, oh, well, you know, look at you over there. You you are this and this is this. And I just look at them like, that's your That's not my Hmm. Don't put your on me. Hmm. And they're like, and I'm not suggesting everyone do that, but it was a time when I wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a boundary because, you know, I, if you want to be a habitual line crosser, because there's some people you can feed them with honey. There's some people you got to smack them with some vinegar and mm-hmm. you just got to get them with that. Well, you know, boom, wake them up. And like, oh, no, 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 no. I, well, I didn't mean that. It's like, oh, you meant it. You just didn't think it through. Mm-hmm. You know, I have another instance, you know, I'm giving a speech and I'm doing a workshop. I'm doing this training on strategic interventions and strategic, you know, strategic conversations. And, you know, everyone's laughing. I'm teaching everyone these really cool, you know, just, you know, tactics about how to handle things. I'm a lot deeper than what we're talking now, but really walking people through situations. And somebody came up to me in the garage and she walked up to me. And it's like, I can tell that you are a hurt child when you're speaking. And again, that's her shit. That's not my shit. So when she walked up to me and said that, and, you know, she was walking around like she had an S in her chest, super proud. And I'd let her know, 
And I looked at her and I said, well, you can understand how painful this conversation is to be engaging with you right now then. Mm. And she like sit there and sat there, her mouth like, mm. because you don't, you don't have to take anyone on. You don't. Ooh, you that right there, that perspective, that immediate, that is brilliant. Let me tell you something. That is, that is, that is brilliant. That, that perspective switch right there to get a person to look hold up that mirror and look directly at themselves. That is a great, great way and a great method I use actually in shadow work. You know, when I, like, if I feel a certain kind of way and I see these thoughts in my head, you know, instead mm -hmm. of like, if I'm projecting towards, it doesn't matter whether I believe that, you know, if, if you're wrong, then you're going to have like anger is a, is a righteous, you know, emotion when you're being sure. wrong, you know? So when I, but when I feel that in the, my, my, my awareness is there, I turn it back around on myself all the time. And I say, Okay, if Harry, if you feel like you need to tell somebody something, why, what, what are you so afraid of that you feel is absolutely imperative that you let this person know or you, that you need to let this person know how you feel about this or what you think about that? Because that forces me to understand what, what investment do I want to put into this? Like, is this even worth investing in? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's that is that is that so moment where I have to sit there with all of the messages because we have all these separate parts, these different parts that carry different emotions. And I got to listen to the crew and anger is like, go in, flash out, you know, and fear is like, run, ghost. Mm -hmm. And then compassion is like, look at this person projecting onto you their pain look at how much they're suffering and love is like you know who you are and who you are not and shame and anything that creates shame for you is not who you are but who you are not because who you are you're always attracted towards things that represent the truth of who you are and so this repulsion that you have towards your shame does not represent who you are but who you are not you know and that's love and truth right there you know and so i listen i listen to these parts and then I say, I see with clarity after that, but it takes that, that, that moment that is that so-ness, that moment of just pause in order for me to do that. Out, outside of that, I'm going to make a reflex decision. And more than likely, it's going to be anger or fear that's going to, that's going to win that when I make a reflex decision, because they're the ones who scream the loudest every single time. And mm -hmm. so it's like that knowing how you operate, knowing your algorithm, and then staying Forming a, a plan of approach to life around that algorithm is absolutely essential. I want to let you just talk to the people and let them know, you know, what you're doing and how they can find you, what you're about. Like, you know, just, just let the people know. This is just a few minutes to let them know what you're about and, you know, how to find you. Yeah. And I'm definitely, we're going to get back together because I oh. dig it. We got lots to talk about to unpack and just kind of <laughs> frame people because I don't like speaking and, and, and like rhetoric statements, you know, mm. uh, it doesn't make any, I, I don't like philosophy. Philosophy is mm. cool to read, but in terms of execution, I speak on real, real life situations. Yes, I'm down. Mm. Um, to get in contact with me, to learn some more about the work that I'm doing, you can go to whatsyourhappy.com and it's happy with an I. Whatsyourhappy.com. Also, and right now I created a course. It's about confidence, about understanding what confidence is. And again, this isn't philosophy, but it's about what you can do to increase your confidence in the next five to 14 days up to you. You do this. You stand with this course. You understand what boundaries are. You understand how to initiate these, how to execute on these. Go to ownyourhappy.com and it will change the way that you show up with people. And again, ownyourhappy.com and it's happy with an I if you'd like to learn some more about that. Sir. It was a pleasure. Seriously. Oh, y'all, that was in. That was, look, that was a brilliant, 
a brilliant session with this brother, Vernon Brown. Amazing, brilliant brother. I love his insights. And it's unfortunate that I do not have any more time to continue. But I promise you, I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to bring him back real soon while this while this skillet is still hot. You know, I got to get it while the getting's good before the getting get gone. So before he get gone, I'm going to make sure I bring him on one more time so we can get it in together. All right. And it might be a live show. So anyway, I look, this is this concludes this this episode of the Is That So? Again, I am Harry Turner, a.k.a. The Nocturnal Therapist. My mission statement is to assist others in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic, agape, and stay lit. I'm out y'all. Do you tell your time what to do, or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living, or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting, or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion, and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about. That is www.becomeanoutlier, becomeanoutlier.com slash about, A-B-O-U-T, to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner.